Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. We continue to read out of Matthew's gospel this morning. We're in the 17th chapter, beginning in the first verse. Matthew records these words. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. These youth have turned out in good number on this uh, cold morning. Thank you all so very much for uh, making the trip and being with us and helping us. But they are too young to remember what I thought of when I read through this passage this week. But most of you can remember back to the 1970s, there were a series of commercials for E.F. Hutton. You may recall they're always the same format where there were a group of people that might be at a sporting event, it might be in a busy restaurant, it might be in some kind of business meeting where lots of people are talking, and then the camera begins to zoom in on just two people talking, and one of them says, well, my broker says yada yada, and then the next person says, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, and everyone would go silent and sort of lean in toward the speaker. Remember those? The point was, if you wanted to know about stocks and bonds and investments, you listened to E.F. Hutton. E.F. Hutton was the one that had the deep insight and analysis and was going to help you get to the right place in terms of your investing. They wanted us to listen. Listen to what E.F. Hutton says. Matthew tells us today to listen, but not to E.F. Hutton. Right? Matthew says there's one we're to listen to. That one is Jesus Christ. He records it this way, that this cloud overcame them, and a voice spoke and said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. And if you're looking in your Bible, I bet there's an exclamation point in my translation right at the end. Exclamation point. Listen to him. This is important. Listen to him. This one is the one to listen to. For advice, for direction, for wisdom, 
To whom do you listen? What voices capture your attention? What voices move you to do this or do that or not to do this or not to do that? What voices are moving you in your life? This is an extraordinary story we have here in the 17th chapter of Matthew. Jesus assembles his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. We'll see this another time or two where Jesus pulls those three to go with him to a certain place. We'll see it in a few weeks when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane on the last night Jesus is with them. But anyway, he assembles them on this occasion, takes them up on a mountain, and then he is transfigured, or he begins to be covered by a great light. His clothes, Matthew says, are all of a sudden dazzling white. His face is shining. Something important is happening. Matthew wants us to pay attention to that. Something important is happening here. And then Jesus is in this conversation with Moses and Elijah. And why is that important? You remember if you were here a few weeks ago, we talked about this phrase, the law and the prophets. And how often the Hebrew people used this idea of the law and the prophets to refer to their scriptures to the Hebrew Scriptures. Well, these two characters, Moses and Elijah, are representing that for us. It's important in today's reading to realize that Moses represents the law and Elijah the prophets. So these two are pivotal characters. Matthew's trying to describe for us a situation that we understand there's some continuity here of this God of the covenant, this God who's been working with the Hebrew people is now working with this Jesus. The whole idea of being up on a mountain is an allusion to stories in the Hebrew Scriptures in terms of where Moses receives the word of God, where Abraham had experienced God. The idea of a cloud and a voice speaking to them. If you read through the Hebrew Scriptures, often God, it was said, led the people, spoke to them through a cloud that overshadowed them. And so Jesus has gone up on a mountain. Moses and Elijah are there. The cloud comes. The voice speaks. And all of that is to say to the careful reader, there's something important that God, God of the Hebrew people, God of the covenant, is ready to say through this one, Jesus, listen to him. Well, Peter likes it. Oh, the bright lights. Peter wants to kind of bask in the glow of the moment. Oh, isn't this wonderful? How about we just camp out here? Maybe put up a tent. My version says build a dwelling. We could just stay right here. I was reading a book this week. I thought of this passage as I was reading. The book's called The Little Book of Talent. It's by a guy named Daniel Coyle. He's also written a book called The Talent Code. In the books, he's trying to discover why some places produce so many high-talent people. He travels around the world trying to discover how do some people create so many who excel. He goes to places he calls talent hotbeds that are small places that have produced a large number of people, whether it be in the arts, the sciences, in math, in sports, in music. There's a few places, he said, that you can identify that produce 
a larger number of Olympic athletes or tennis stars or singing stars than other places. He wants to know, what's the deal with that? What are they able to do? Are they finding prodigies or are they developing talent? Is there some secret to all of this? So he's looking at all of that. One of the things he discovers, he says, is that talent is not in the genes, but is in the practice or preparation from your particular discipline. He says all these different places create a different relationship with practice and preparation that makes the difference. He says there are so many people who have done wonderful things in their particular arena of discipline that were overlooked early on. They were not prodigies. They were not naturally talented. He names people like Winston Churchill, but also people like Lucille Ball, Paul Gauguin, Albert Einstein. He says on one of Walt Disney's early evaluations where he was let go from a job, they wrote, we have to let him go because he lacks imagination. <laughs> what Coyle says is that evaluating someone too early, too young is a mistake. That often they blossom and bloom and develop their talent because they stay with it. That they're willing to practice, they're willing to prepare, they're willing to study over a longer period of time than most, and that's what develops the great talent that we get to experience later in their lives. He talks to one NCAA women's soccer coach. He says, let me tell you how this works in my field. He said, there's any number of girls across the country that at a young age are excelling in soccer. They are naturally talented. And people begin to praise them and tell them how wonderful they are. He said, but here's the problem. They begin to enjoy the praise more than the practice. And they quit developing. They quit taking risk because they're afraid they will lose the praise. And he said, almost inevitably then their talent quits developing and there are others who were not complimented who were not praised that are working and working and working and he said by the time they get to me at college it's usually not the 10 or 12 or even 15 year old superstar that becomes an elite soccer player but the girl that was overlooked for most of her life but continued to work and prepare and practice and then by the time she gets to me, he says, at the college level, she, then she becomes a superstar. It is the willingness to stretch and risk that truly develops the greatest talent. That's what Coyle has concluded. I tell you all that because I think Peter, in our story today, is like the prodigies. He likes the praise. He likes to bask in the glow. And so when all of this is happening, according to Matthew, Peter says, hey, let's stay right here. Let's enjoy this. Let's build a little dwelling where we can stay. And Matthew records that even while Peter is speaking, he is interrupted. If you have your Bible open in verse 5, Matthew records, while he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. 
When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. The scene changes very rapidly right there from basking in the glow. Isn't this great? Look at Jesus. He is lighting up. He's going to be the one. We're with him. To there, flat on the ground, overcome, terrified with fear at what the voice of God has just said to them. Listen to him. And that doesn't sound so scary. Listen to him. But in the way that Matthew's telling the story, it's leading them to the very next step they're to take. The next step is going to be a risky step. You only know that if you've been reading through the gospel. If you look back just to the two stories just before this transfiguration story, it becomes clear why this is so scary. If you look in your 16th chapter in verse 21... The subtitle in my Bible says, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. The disciples have been traveling with Jesus. He's been teaching and preaching. He's been healing. He's been feeding people. Things are going well. And then Matthew says in the 16th chapter in the 21st verse that Jesus says to them, he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering and be killed and on the third day be raised and peter says no never you cannot suffer you will not be killed you are the messiah peter has already voiced that a little bit earlier you are the messiah of god and jesus tells them this path leads to jerusalem i'm gonna suffer I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to die. Now, he also says he's going to be raised, but they don't ever get past the torture and the suffering and the death part, I don't think, at this point in the story. So that's the first thing he says. But secondly, Jesus goes on to spell out the implications for those who might be following him. And he says, if any want to become my followers, let them take up their cross. And follow me for those who want to save their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake will find it and then right after that is the transfiguration story so Matthew says Peter said no this cannot be and then on the mountain the voice out of the cloud says basically yes this is it. Listen to him. This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. It's not going to be we're going to stay on the mountaintop and bask in the glow. Oh, there are moments like that when we're following Jesus. There's great high moments of praise and glory and enjoyment. But that's not all there is to the Christian life. Matthew says at this point, then Jesus leads them back down the mountain. You can't just stay on the mountain if you're going to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. You have to go back down into the valley where there is a cross waiting, Jesus says, where there are needs of people, where the common people live, where God is at work. And if you're going to be a follower of mine, Jesus says, this is the way we're going to go. 
The transfiguration moment might be a great high experience, but the transfiguration moment is to prepare us for future service. It's to send us further into the work of God. Now you may think, oh, I'm not ready for that, or I, I don't have talent for that, or I'm awfully comfortable right here, or everything's good with me, I don't need to do anything else. Or you might actually be feeling a call of God to go do something else, and you're afraid to move in that direction. But whatever your fears may be, when you feel that tug, when you feel that leading of God, there's good news in this passage for us. The good news is even in the midst of our fears, Christ our Lord is here for us. I think we see that in verse 7. As Matthew continues to tell the story, he tells us they hear the voice, they dive and hit the ground because they're overcome by fear. Then in verse 7, but Jesus came and touched them saying, get up and do not be afraid. Get up and do not be afraid. I want to tell you two stories that happened when I was serving here before as an associate pastor. It was on a Sunday morning on both occasions. The first one, I was sitting right there where Reverend Campbell's sitting. Dr. Biggs was standing here preaching. He was preaching on a passage like the one out of the 16th chapter about come and follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. And he was talking about the nature of suffering and sacrifice that comes sometimes when we're following Jesus Christ. And I remember so vividly sitting there and thinking to myself, but I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to suffer. I was a father of two young daughters. I wanted to go home and be with my wife and my children. I wanted to be a responsible dad. And I was already working a lot and doing a lot of things in ministry. And yet Dr. Biggs was talking about that there's this call upon our lives. And sometimes it causes suffering and sacrifice. And I'm sitting there feeling somewhat disloyal thinking, but I don't want to go there. Of course, he didn't know that. It was, it was so disturbing to me that I was even thinking that, that I didn't share it with anyone at the time. And then there were those few weeks after that where I really struggled with my future wondering can I go on am I going to be able to follow the call of God am I supposed to leave this church does God want me to go do something else as I was struggling with all that there came another Sunday morning I was kneeling right here in the crook of the altar rail I was in prayer before a worship service praying about God where do you want me to go I hear this calling. I'm not sure that I want to go. I don't even know where it is. What, what is this about? And I very distinctly had this impression that God said, you are to stay here. You are to stay here. But then even a stranger message was, you need to preach. I wasn't the preacher. Dr. Biggs was the preacher. The message wasn't, I was sure the message wasn't that I was to be the senior pastor. 
But it was very clear in that moment to me that I was to continue as a pastor here. I was preaching about once a quarter, so I assumed that was it. And I would stay. There was a great sense of assurance and calm and direction that came with that time of prayer. In the midst of that struggle, I felt like God gave me that sense of assurance. I think it's captured by Matthew in verse 7. Jesus came and touched them saying, Get up and do not be afraid. Are you listening? If God is speaking to you, are you listening? When Jesus speaks, do people listen? When Jesus speaks, do you listen? That's probably the most important question for each of us this morning. Is are we listening when Jesus speaks to us? Do we believe that Jesus will come to us and touch us and show us the way and assure us that there is no need to be afraid? But listening on our part is so very important. The listening prepares us for future service. The listening helps us overcome any fears we might be dealing with. The listening can fortify us for service and even for sacrifice. Are you listening? There are more voices than ever speaking to us these days, more being broadcast, more being